Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear podcast, episode 289. Quick shout out, thank you to everyone who signed up last week. I mentioned I was doing the thing with Tim Pierce. Um, you can sign up for his lesson course and get 30% off because you're a viewer here and that Tim and I are gonna do a special like live video QA for just the people who signed up. So not just his, not for his, um, what do you call it? Not for his students, but only for the ones who sign up to the link down below. But thanks to you guys, I didn't know something. So I assumed because you're getting the discount and the extra video that uh, it would be that would be the thing. But it's apparently it didn't uh, that that's not it. You get 14 days free trial. So uh, thank you guys who emailed me and let me know that. Know that I didn't know that. I knew he did that. I didn't know if that was part of this deal. I didn't want to impose on him. But uh, just so you guys know, thank you everyone who signed up. There was uh, well over 100 of you who already signed up. Thank you. And uh, anyone else, if you're thinking about it, uh, it does not negate the 14-day free trial. So you can um, get your 30% off, get a 14-day trial. If you don't like it, you don't have to stick with it. It's that easy enough. So it doesn't it doesn't charge you, I guess, until the 14-day trial. And then uh, as long as you decide to stay, you can be part of the extra video and, of course, learn stuff. So, also, thank you to everyone who's made comments in the videos figuring out that, obviously, my playing's been improving lately. <laughs> and uh, that's, uh, yeah, that's where it was coming from, obviously. So, a lot of you guys, uh, a lot of comments in the videos noticing that. Um, some of it is just some improvement that I learned from his videos, and some of it is just stuff I flat out ripped off from his video. <laughs> And I was like, that's a great lick. I think I'll use that. So thank you, Tim, for that. He's, he's amazing as always. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about stuff. Uh, I see lots of questions. We have, of course, early riser questions is what I call I need a better name. I always say that every week. Early risers. Early risers. Early questions. Early questions. We'll call it that. The early questions. Uh, they are, the first one came from Curtis, who's a member who says, happy Friday, Phil. You mentioned selling six amps to acquire the black cat. I'm curious which amps you thought were expendable. Cheers. So what he's talking about is I, when I do premieres, I answer questions and give information additional to the video. And of course, once the premiere is over, uh, if you can't make it, you don't get to see that inter interaction. I've been doing all videos as premieres um, because of that reason. I, thought, I I like the idea that when it launches, if there's a question on the spot, I can answer it. So Curtis has obviously saw my comment. Somebody asked me, uh, which is a question I usually tell you guys I can't answer. So when I do a review, I've said this many, many, many times from a product that is sent to me is... I usually don't talk about its value proposition, right? I'll give you statistics information, like here's some comparatives of the products, but I don't tell you whether or not I would spend that or what's it worth to me, because if I didn't spend the money, how am I supposed to tell you what it's worth to me? So the question was, um, would I buy the amp? Now, here's where the, the, the weirdness of this happened. <laughs> so the amp that I have, the combo I have, is an actual proto, not a prototype, it's like the first one. It doesn't have a serial number on it. So I think I told you guys the story. I was in California. John, the owner of Bad Cats, is a close friend. Peter, who's the designer of the amp with John, who also designed some of the, the uh, redesigns on the uh, Saldano amps. He's done Synergy. Um, he's a freaking genius. He owns Amp Pete. And um, uh, he, he's also a, 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 who I consider a friend. And when I was in California, I mentioned John, and hey, I'd like to stop by and say hi. And we went hang out, and that's when he showed me the four new amps, or three of the four new amps, which I didn't know he was going to show me. This was months and months ago. 
when I played all three that I played, which was the hot cat, the black cat, and the and the cub, um, I I was really blown away with them. But I was really blown away with the black cat. And um, I, he said, "You really like the black cat, huh?" And I said, "Yeah, I really do." And he said, "It's yours." And it just like dropped me. To, like I was like, "Wow, okay." Um, so the one he gave me, there's some cool things. Like I couldn't say in the video that the uh, transformers are now orange because the cat the cat eyes were orange, but now the transformers will be orange. I guess on the newer ones, but mine is before that. So. Here's what's interesting. He gave me the combo. I love the combo, but for video purposes, it'd be a lot more useful for me to have a head and not have to drag the combo around. So I like it so much that I'm buying the head. <laughs> so uh, I'll have the combo uh, for um, for uh, you know to have it in my bedroom, and then I'll have the head for doing videos um, because I just. I just want it because sad thing is, is like I said, and that's where this leading to with Curtis's question is there's a bunch of amps that I just don't feel I need if I have this black cat. So what did I get rid of? Well, I said I got rid of six. Now I'm getting rid of six. I haven't got rid of them all yet. So what did I get rid of? I got rid of my Paul Reed Smith custom 50 head, which is you guys know, I've been using that amp for years as I love that clean channel, prefer the black cat clean channel more, prefer the reverb on the, uh, on the amp more, and uh, I prefer the distortion way more than that amp. And so as good as that amp is, it, it just, I didn't see it, it felt redundant. So that amp's gone. Um, I got rid of my two rock amp. Yeah, my, my Studio 35, because again, the two rock is fantastic, but the black cat, I just don't see a purpose of using that. Uh, it's redundant, I don't want redundant amplifiers. So uh, that does that. The uh, other amp I got rid of was my Cub, 40, uh, uh, one of my, my cub 40 amp because, um, uh, they don't make it anymore. And I kind of like the new cub 40 more. So there you go. So that's why that's gone. And what isn't gone, but going right now is my dirty Shirley mini and my Marshall studio, uh, vintage. Cause again, I, like I said in my video, I don't think the black cat is a Marshall amp, but it does the plexi Marshall punch thing that I absolutely love. And it does it way better than my Marshall studio vintage. So it's going. <laughs> so those two amps, the only reason they're here is because I just haven't sold them yet. I haven't listed them or sold them yet. Um, so what's that at five? That's five. And the Archon, because again, I don't need it. Uh, I like this amp just as much. And the Archon was uh, kind of like a, like it's, it's the high gain territory, which the Black Cat doesn't do as much high gain, but I like the gain on the Black Cat more. I can run a pedal through it. Plus, plus don't, don't forget, I have my Ingle uh, Fireball and it really was a question of, do I really need the Ingle Fireball and the Archon? And the answer is no, because the Ingle Fireball to me is still one of my favorite amps. And that pared down a lot of amps for me. <laughs> So just so you, just so you know, uh, that's, that's what happened. And, uh, I, I really, I really think that's, uh, I think that's the way to go for me right now. Okay. <laughs> Susan says, woo, the Ingle survived. You know, I don't ever imagine there's a couple of amps that I, you know, you never say never, as I always say, there's a couple of amps I don't think I'll ever get rid of, uh, the Ingle Fireball. I don't know what it is. There's just something about that amp I really like. Um, it's not the best sounding amp. It's not perfect. It, it's not anything like that. There's nothing like that. It's just something I really, really like. Um, and uh, uh, so I like it. My uh, Mesa Boogie Mark V Mini 25 head, 
Again, it just really does what it does well. I really like it. I've had it for a long time. I, I just really like it. My Fender Princeton, um, as I've said, um, just something about it I really like about it. My Deluxe Reverb, something I really like about it. Um, I mean, there's probably others as well. Uh, I would say a Friedman, but I have a couple Friedmans and probably maybe the small box. I don't know. Like I said, it's hard to say never, but I feel like those amps are kind of safe. Like, that's probably what I would say. I don't know. I mean, I never anticipated uh, uh, Bad Cat redesigning their amps the way they did. I really liked Bad Cat before, but Bad Cat before to me had a, uh, and, and still does, the new Cub 40 still has that kind of same thing, that Vox thing, this this different sound. It has a really cool thing. But the Black Cat is really like a, if you're looking for that Marshall and a Fender and, a, you know, something else, it just does it, which is fantastic. Okay. Um, so that's your answer to the question, I hope somewhat. Uh, what else? We have... I don't know. Uh, Travis. Travis says, hey, in a bit of a guitar rut, Phil, any suggestions for getting excited again? Um, I like this question. It comes up every couple episodes from somebody, and I always like answering it because I think there's somebody watching right now that's probably feeling that way. I find I'm in a guitar rut or a playing rut, so you didn't really specify. Sometimes the rut is like, I can't find a piece of gear to get, and I feel that sounds like a stupid rut, but it's sometimes a rut. You're like, there's nothing I want. What a weird thing. You should be content, right? There's nothing I want. I should be content, but actually sometimes that makes you more sad. But a lot of times the, play, the rut is the playing rut, right? You just don't, you know, you're plugging in, you're just not feeling anything, you're not, nothing's moving for you, there's no emotional thing. And here's what I will tell you. I don't think you can artificially do anything. I don't think you can artificially make somebody laugh, like people are going to laugh if they're going to laugh. If something's funny, it's going to make them laugh. You can't fake make them laugh. You can't fake make them cry. You can't fake make them care, right? You can't artificially make something happen. So um, some people will say, get a new pedal, that'll, right? Get a new guitar, that'll get you excited. I don't think so. Um, sometimes you need to realize that you need to do something else. Nothing wrong with taking a step back and, and doing something else. Um, and preferably something extremely different. Maybe go do some yard work. <laughs> I know it sounds really strange, right? Um, it's kind of like I had a friend tell me once, and it was probably the best advice I ever got. I said, oh, I can't sleep at night. And they said, well, why don't you get up and go for a walk? And I was like, oh, well, that seems weird because that's the opposite of what I'm going to do. I mean, that's going to wake me up. And they're kind of right. You get up and you kind of move around and you tie yourself out a little bit and you go back to sleep. <laughs> right. Or you realize like, man, walking around, walking around the neighborhood's worse than, or, you know, than trying to go to sleep. I'm going to go back and try to go to sleep. So stuff like that. So same thing. If you're in a, in a rut, sometimes stepping away is a good idea. I highly recommend that. Um, I uh, uh, ride my bicycle. That's like a thing I like to do, get out and ride my bike. I was doing that right before the show. And uh, that's cool. The other thing you can do is try new music. And that's a real big thing because sometimes, you know, you listen to so much of the same music, you don't realize that there's nothing that's going to fire your brain like it did when you were a kid. And you might be a kid. I don't know. You didn't say. But when you're a kid, new is exciting. And sometimes maybe some new music is a way to go. So it's, it's just a, it's just, that's my recommendation. Step away from it. Um, I, I was at a clinic at George, that George Lynch did and George Lynch, uh, was asked that question. What do you do when you get in a rut? And he said, um, 
one of the things he realized, which I thought was good advice, was you can play yourself into a corner. You can practice so much that actually it becomes a negative. And so he goes, sometimes the best thing you do is stop playing guitar and do something else. So um, that's what I recommend is to uh, take a break, take a little break and uh, try to, you know, and don't try, just wait, it'll happen. You'll get rekindled. For me, I get in, sometimes I get in a rut with guitar playing for sure. That happens a lot. Sometimes I get in a, like I plug in and I play and I just don't feel anything. And that's a big thing for me. Like there's just, it's not technique. It's like, it's not like I can't, you know, I used to, I used to always worry, like I can't get this lick down. And then th that would just wear me out. But sometimes now I plug in and sometimes I'll, I'll be playing and it's almost like it's lifeless and I just don't feel anything. And that to me is worse. It's the worst feeling uh, because this is where I find the biggest joy and emotion is playing music. And then all of a sudden just not feeling anything feels just horrible. And that's exactly what I do. I just take a break. I just stop playing. I write down the spot, stop playing, and I'll come back to it when I come back to it. And um, Mike Jones says, you should start a bike channel, review all the seats, handlebars, pink bikes, purple bikes. Um, I, I talked about doing some videos about uh, my, my biking experience, uh, bicycling experience on the second channel. Um, I just haven't got there yet, but it'll happen. I'll do, it won't be exciting, but I'll do a couple of videos because I want to share that part with you guys. And I know not everybody's uh, interested, but it might be interesting. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else here like guitars? I love these comments. Okay. Um, let's do one more early one, and then I'll get into some questions that are out there. Um, uh, Adrian, oh, Adrian wants to know, Adrian says, Hey, Phil, what would you consider the best deal sale to look forward to this season? Love the show. Um, and then Gene had a question, does Black Friday sales even matter anymore? And that kind of ties into this because I figured out next weekend's Black Friday. Yes, I plan to do a live show next Black Friday on Friday, same time, same channel. I did it last year and it seemed to go over really well. Um, I don't do anything for Thanksgiving. We're not a big family uh, by any means. And uh, what family we do have is out of state and they tend to come after or before this that time. So we don't do a whole lot on Thanksgiving. And so, uh, and we don't do much anything on Black Friday. So, uh, you know, taking a break in the afternoon and doing the show seems like a nice little getaway for me. So I'll, I plan to do that. That's one. Uh, second, uh, Black Friday sales. Well, uh, like I said, there'll be a lot more deals this season than there was the last couple of years. There's a lot of inventory overload. What I will tell you is a piece of advice to look for when you're on Black Friday sales. If you're looking at gear, I don't know what to tell you about those TVs and crap that you guys, <laughs> that people buy at whatever Walmart. I don't know anything about that, but I can tell you with gear. Um, it's only a deal if you wanted it before it was on sale. Uh, that's my best advice to myself. That's my advice I'm sharing with you. If you wanted it and now it's on sale, that's a deal. If you didn't want it and now it's on sale, that's not a deal. <laughs> okay. And uh, why I say that is, you know, I get this sometimes uh, from good friends and I, I, and they'll say something like they'll send me a thing and they'll say, uh, this pedal that they didn't want <laughs> and I didn't want, they go, oh, it's half off. And I'm like, yeah, just because it's half off doesn't mean I want it now. I mean, that wasn't the holdback before. I mean, 
I understand that sometimes it's an opportunity buy at that point. You're like, oh, for that kind of deal, I could buy it in a couple months. I, you know, sell it off and maybe try it, see if I like it. Maybe that's the opportunity. But like I said, I would really focus on things you want and see about getting a deal. Um, there will be deals this Black Friday, but what I caution you is that most of the deals are going to be the things that they're overstocked on, which means they're not nobody's really wanting. So if you want those things and they're on sale, get them. But I don't think it's a good move to buy things just because it's on sale. I don't do it. <laughs> I don't just go, oh yeah, I never wanted that guitar, but now it's on sale, so I'm getting it. Uh, now, that being said, I've always said this and I'll always stick with this. You can always find a deal anytime of the year on anything you want. You just have to be patient and look and know what to do if that's what the holdback is. Sometimes you want it, if you want to buy it, enjoy it, if you can afford it. If you can't afford it and you need a deal or it would help justify the purchase, then definitely keep working and find the deal. You'll find it eventually. Um, so there you go. Uh, on that note, since we're talking about deals, um, another thing is I will tell you that there's a lot of posts. I see a lot of posts right now from everyone like black Friday deals, black Friday deals. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of that. What I know a lot of that is, is cause we're all guilty. I'm guilty too. Uh, is, you know, I, I've explained many times how affiliate link works and I have affiliate links. And of course we, you know, that's how it works. A lot of people are just trying to get you to click their affiliate links because if you click their affiliate links, they own your, your cookie, so to speak, they have you. And if you buy anything over the next week, they're going to get a, a piece of it, which is good for them. I mean, like I said, it helps channels out like me when you do that. Um, but a lot of times there's like a clickbait to the affiliate link. So you guys are familiar with the clickbait in the videos. Like you'll never believe what happened to me this Friday, right? On this uh, video and you'll click it and nothing happened to them on this Friday. Um, now there's like, you'll never believe this deal. Click this link and you click it and you go, that wasn't a deal. That was really weird that they did that. What they did is they just basically, now they own you. Uh, if you buy anything for the next 10, 15 days, uh, then they'll get a piece of it. Doesn't matter what you buy, right? That's the whole point. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, watch my, go back to the live show where I talk about affiliate links. Okay, so it doesn't hurt you if you get, if they do that to you, I just want you to be aware of, that's why you're gonna see stuff like that. Cause I saw a lot of that this last couple of days where I saw a link and I clicked it and there wasn't a really a deal at all. And I was like, oh, okay. So they just wanted me to click it so that if I buy anything, they get, they get a piece of it, so. There you go. I try to refrain from that and I try to be upfront about it if I'm doing that. Uh, you know, like I said, with my links, I try to hold back to where it's a legitimate deal, <laughs> right? If it's a deal, but you never know. You know, it's just, sometimes it's as simple as, you know, you can't blame them for, hey, you're, if you're going to spend something, might as well they get a piece. It doesn't cost you anything if they do. So um, what I will tell you, uh, uh, what will I tell you? Can I tell you guys? Should I tell you guys now? Or should I? I don't think I should tell you. No, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you. <laughs> um, I, I told you guys, we, uh, the last couple of years, if you guys noticed around the holidays, I always do a KYG limited something run, right? We did like the zither stands, right? Obviously, we did the Valiant basis. We, I, I, I try to do these things. I finally, I just, I just approved some stuff just in the last couple of days. So it'll be, it might be in time for the holidays. If not, uh, that, I think that's what's going to be. We're going to have a limited edition pedal, a KYG pedal. This is something I've been working on for a while. This is a big deal because I'm not going to tell you what the pedal is. I'm just going to tell you two things that are important. Um, I've tried to do this with two other pedal companies and it failed. Um, there seems to be a problem with the, with the way that I've orchestrated these deals, which is, you know, I want a whole lot. <laughs> I want the price to be really low. 
and uh, you know, and I, and I basically I put a lot of uh, of of demands on the companies, and. Um, it seems to be a sticking point every time. You know, how can you hit that price point? How can you do the things I'm asking and do a limited run? Because there's not a lot of money. Because remember, this isn't a big, big cash grab. There's not enough when you're doing a few hundred things or something like that. So um, basically, I'm excited. There'll be a big announcement for a pedal that there'll be a KYG limited uh, run pedal. And um, the cool thing is, is uh, I'm just excited to tell you because the price point just got approved and that was the big sticking point for me on the other things, the other projects I did because I just don't want these. Uh, I just don't want to do a $200 pedal. This is not what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in, uh, there's nothing wrong with them. I buy them just like you. I'm just not trying to do that as a limited run. I want to do something super unique, super cool, super limited, super affordable and actually be able to say the word affordable for what it is. So so there you go. So I'll be sharing that with you guys very soon. So uh, there you go. <laughs> you guys, I love it. I love it. Huh. Um, okay, hold on. Um, Richard says, we know what pedal it is. I, for sure, I can tell you right now, you don't, you don't know what pedal it is. So... Um, I, I would, I would be shocked if anyone guessed what it was because it wasn't something I would have ever predicted, uh, to, to do. It was, uh, it actually started from a viewer, one of you guys, viewers, uh, asking me a question about some, a video I did this year. And, um, I thought, wow, I never thought about that. You know what the question was? I was like, I never thought about making a pedal version of that. So it's a pedal version of something. So it's not a tube screamer or a clone. It's not a clone of a pedal. It's a something else. So, all right. Um, okay. We need to get to some more questions. Get to the next, the next thing that we talk about is, uh, this is from Antique Rocker who says, I got a great deal on American Musical Supply Blim sale on Awaza Air headphones, much better than the Vox Fender headphone plugins or plugging in headphones into an amp. Max volume with effects and my wife sleeping in the next room. I have heard nothing but great things about the Waza headphones. I heard they're like three-dimensional too, right? Like you can hear the, like you actually physically hear the amp behind you and stuff, like really cool. I have not tried them. As you guys know, I'm not a huge fan of headphones, but that's not the reason I haven't tried them. It's just something like that usually finds its way to me through some company reaching out. And I just don't have any relationship with the boss guys. I met the boss guys at Sweetwater. It was a very pleasant conversation. They gave me... They gave me a set of headphones. <laughs> I'm not making this up, but it wasn't the brand Boston. I feel horrible. I don't remember what the brand was. It's some other brand that Roland owns. And uh, they put my logos on it. And it's they are wireless, but they're not like an amp and a thing. The Waza would have been great. I would have reviewed them. I can't really review these headphones because I don't know what to even say about them. Um, but I had a great relationship with them, great talk. And, and then it just nothing, uh, you know, turned out from that. But trust me, if like boss ever reached out to me and said, check out the Waza, you know, send a set of head Waza headphones, I would share them with you guys and do a video. I'm a big boss fan. So boss is one of the few companies that definitely one of the few companies that if they reached out to me with any kind of interest to send any kind of product, I would do it like the, uh, definitely the Waza, like their their version of the of the ox, I would definitely do a video about that because I'm curious because I have the ox, how good it is, um, you know, but 
And uh, I usually used to, I used to review a ton of Boss pedals, but I stopped because almost every Boss pedal they come out with now, I can't even get, you can't even get your hands on it. They do some kind of limited run, and the only people that seem to have it are the YouTube channels that got an advanced one. And so I'm just not on that list. Um, but I hear nothing but good things about the Waza. So thanks for sharing that antique rocker and letting other people know. Because I know headphone things are a big deal for players. Um, because you guys, you know, you don't want to, you want to play at night, not upset the family. Okay. Uh, Brian says, uh, new guitar day, Sterling CT 50 HSS. I'm loving it when setting all six string heights. Should they be the same? Should they match the fretboard radius or neither? Um, the answer is yes to both. They can be flat. You could set it flat if you want. I don't like that. I usually like the radius, the fret, uh, the uh, tremolo, sorry, bridge. Tremolo usually, but bridge to the fretboard. A guitar like that, you're not going to have like a nine and a half or a seven and a quarter inch radius, something really rounded. You're going to have something pretty flat. So it's not a huge deal to do that, you know, uh, make them flat. But I like the radius, the, the saddles uh, to the bridge. If you watched a lot of my repair videos over the years uh, and all the setup videos I do, that's what I'm doing in those videos. That's the way I prefer it. Um, usually a customer would have to say that they don't like it that way for me to not to do it that way. My default would be to radius the the bridge slightly to the radius of the fretboard just a little bit. Um, I kind of like that. As you guys know, I play a lot of like bar chords uh, and I like to bar my finger off like a capo and play a lot of chord shapes besides the big chords. You know, just if you notice when I'm playing on my videos, you'll see a lot. I'm just, to me, to me, years and years of playing bass and then switching back to guitar to do guitar videos. Cause that's where the guitar really started coming back for me was doing these videos. And to me, it's a lot easier for me to shift this kind of like capo, which is just my finger. So if you notice a lot of my chords are these, I'm barring off with my, I mean, I I'm capoing. Essentially most of my chords are like a capoed out kind of chord. And, uh, and, uh, and I move that around a lot. So to me, it's nice to have a little bit of a radius on the strings because, you know, I got to push down all those strings with my finger. So, and, uh, and I'm not super strong, apparently. Okay, so. Um, thank you, Litve and uh, Meester for the uh, super stickers, man. Those are cool. Thank you. Uh, Frederick says, Freeman Pink Taco V2 or a Marshall Studio Classic. Um so I have not played the Pink Taco 2. I have played a Pink Taco. I owned one. And I have played the Friedman Pink Taco uh, uh, Wildwood Guitar Edition, which is kind of what the V2 reminds me of. So I don't know. I could be a little incorrect. I watched uh, Michael Nielsen's video of it, and it was really good if you 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 know if you want information about it. And from that, I got kind of maybe it was a little bit different. So I just don't know. So if I could uh, just tell you about the original one, the one I had, the, the Pink Taco. I would... I would tell you this, the only thing about the Marshall Studio Classic that I would pick over the Pink Taco is the fact that it has an actual clean that you can use to run pedals through. So if you're going to run pedals through an amp, I would pick the Marshall Studio Classic. Just run some pedals through it. It's a great clean channel uh, on an amp. It's got the Marshall clean. It does it just like in a JCM 800 it would do if you're not running the gain. If I'm running the gain, oh, it's the Pink Taco. It's not even close. <laughs> so um, it's just that's just that's for me. There you go. Thank you, Keith and Jay, for uh, super uh, super chats, man. I appreciate it. Uh, D. Charon. The Charon. 
I don't know how I'm saying it, but I want to say it like that. Please don't get upset. <laughs> uh, Pre-ordered the LPD-74. Been looking forward to trying one that out. See, perfect example. You could get the LPD-74 and run it through the Marshall Studio Classic and get a fantastic Marshall tone. And uh, and and even get... I think the 74 has got that uh, same kind of pink taco vibe. Because the to me, when I think of the Friedman tone, uh, which is like the pink taco uh, kind of sound, which is kind of like the the BE 100 a little bit, right? A little, uh, it's not like the 87, uh, LPD A7 to me. It's more like the 74. So it's kind of kicks. It's a little throaty. It's like, is it throaty? Uh, I like to say the 74 in my mind is a throatier sounding a distortion. It's like a, more the mids. It's going to be punching you a little bit. You know, it's happening, right? I like the term punchy and spongy. And uh, those are two horrible things because they're physical things and we're talking about sound. But to me, it just conveys such an easy, to me, it's like in my head, I just hear that uh, in my head. Like to me, a Saldano amp is spongy. I feel like if you, you know, it's so much distortion that if I was punching it, it's like, it just goes right into the sponge, right? There's, you're, same thing when I'm hitting the strings. I feel like I'm just hitting uh, this smush sound. You know, everything's like smush, 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 smush. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, because there's so much distortion. And to me, th uh, the punchy sound is the chunk, you know, not not chug, like can't, will it chug, chunk. You know, it's that chunk, 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 right? And I feel like that just physically with that with that mouth sounds, uh, to me, I, I, I like the chunk sound. I like feeling it, you know, it kind of feels like it's coming out and, uh, and, and kind of hitting you in the chest. Right. Uh, so to me, the 74 has got more of the of the throaty, the punch and less of the sponge. And the 87 has got more of a sponge sound. Uh, so um, so I'm glad you like the 74. And that's I'm just saying one good good on you for getting the 74. But also back to that that uh, the uh, Frederick's question about the amps, those two pedals. That's what I think of those and how they sound. OK. Uh, Joe says, hey, Phil. Hi, Phil. Really like the idea of owning something unique. Any recommendations uh, on the custom base builder? Uh, so I assume you mean the custom base builder from Kiesel? Because I don't know any other custom base builders off Kiesel. But I'm also could be in my head because I did a custom base off the builder base builder. I have it here now. Um, as you guys know, I did a custom base from Kiesel. Well, I don't know if you know that. I mentioned it passively a couple episodes ago. It's here now. It's am amazing. Uh, and there's a reason why I'm not sharing it yet. <laughs> Here's why I'm not sharing it yet. I'm not sharing it because uh, I like it. I like it way, way too much. Way, way too much. Um, bass is different for me than guitar. I love guitars the way, uh, like, I guess the best way to put it is I like guitars the way like a, a guitar collector would like or a guitar, a car collector would like cars. Like I love every, I love the history of, you know, things, right? Like, so like, like a car collector is in my head. I think of like, they like the history of cars. They like all the differences in cars. They like the wacky cars, the, the, the cool cars, the not cool cars, the ugly cars, the good looking cars. That's how I found about guitars. I like all of the, I like ugly guitars. I like Guitars that sound great. I like guitars that sound weird. I like the history. I like all these things about guitars. Bass. Bass to me is like a work truck. 
<laughs> I don't, I just want it to do its job. So um, I think that's because I'm, I, like I said, when I play, I usually play bass. So I say that because I don't have a collection of basses. I just don't. I have essentially a very, I have a, a Stuham Urge, original Stuham Urge 32 uh, inch scale bass that because Stuham is the bass player that I, I identified to immediately when I was like, I want to play bass. And I was like, he's the guy. <laughs> so he was my gateway. Although I, like I said, I have way, I like, I, I like Marcus Miller. I like a lot of bass players way more. In other words, like, you know, I've kind of like, it's kind of like hearing Van Halen for the first time and loving him and then kind of discovering Nuno Bittencourt for me. It was like, okay, this is, I like Nuno a little bit more than Van Halen, but, but cause he's like, I don't know, there's something that appeals to me there, but Van Halen, without Van Halen, I would have never discovered the other. Same with Stu Hamm. Uh, without Stu Hamm, I wouldn't discover all the bass players I love now, but um, Stu Hamm was like, kind of like the first thing. So I, I, as I homage to him, I have one, I have that one bass. Now that one bass, then I just have a jazz deluxe that's custom made for me and a Warwick that's custom made for me. And one thing that's, in, uh, we don't talk about is a lot of my, a lot of my bases, those two bases are actually custom made for me. They're not, they're not like custom shops that Warwick was specifically built for me. Same with the jazz deluxe. So they both do a, uh, uh, and they are essentially, there is the main and the backup and that's it. And I have, uh, you know, I've demoed bases on the channel. I've reviewed bases, but all of those, like I've never kept any of them because as great as they all were, I have these two bases, the main and the backup. And I decided to take a chance with Kiesel and their base builder and try and kind of like design the space in my head based off of what I love. And uh, to say I like is understatement. So not only do I love it, I love it so much more than the other two that I'm I, I'm going to order a second one. <laughs> and um, I don't want to release a video because I don't want anybody to order any and then make mine go, you know, get backlogged. So I'm, I'm ordering my second one this weekend and then I'll release the video in like in a week. <laughs> so there you go. Not that I think a lot of you guys are going to buy bases, but I, I don't know. You know, this has happened to me too many times on the channel where I, I, I talk about something. I do a video about something and I think as soon as I do the video, I'll, I'll order one. And then I don't actually get my hands on one because you guys order them all up. <laughs> so, by the way, that has nothing to do with the size of the channel. That has to do with you all are worse than, no, you're on that. No, I'm the worst. I'm sorry. You guys are all bad. <laughs> you're like me, okay? right? Uh, we're all addicted to this somehow. Um, so, uh, but, uh, so there you go. I'll be sharing the base with you and what my decisions were and why. Uh, so what's my, what's uh, the answer to your question <laughs> that I, now that I hijacked it and talked about my stuff, um, recommendations for base builder. Uh, I do the Kiesel base builder. I was really, really, really pleased with it. So, and I, and like I said, as always, as always, as transparent as I can, I'm going to talk about everything, including the fact that the, um, they didn't ship me. The base took forever to get to me, the Kiesel base. Um, you know, one thing I like about, uh, uh, like to do is just to be as transparent as possible about things. I absolutely love the base. Okay. That's easy to said. The thing is they made me a base and, uh, it, something was wrong with it. I guess they, I never saw it. Um, they, uh, they just contacted me out of nowhere and said, Hey, this base is, there's some, something wrong with it. I said, okay. And then they said, we're going to have to build another one. So it took a long time to get this base. So, you know, uh, there you go. <laughs> so uh, all that will be explained in the video too. So, and, uh, you know, and that's all I can do is tell you what happened. Share my experiences, the good and the bad. There's good and bad. 
Uh, at 10, what's up? He says, hey, Phil, why is position two and four on a single coil still weaker than a humbucker? Aren't they functioning the same way? No, they're they're not actually uh, functioning the same way um, at that point. Uh, no, it's not the same thing. They're, they're, they're eliminating the 60 cycle hum. That's the only thing they really have in common. You're not going to really say, I'm not going to really say that the same um I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it besides technically, because I, I kind of like feel like the technically sometimes it all it does is leave you guys scratching your head. So let's see if I can explain it in a very easy way. Um, well, first of all, let's let's just put it this way, at 10. Uh, uh, let's take a single coil strat, the bridge position, the middle position, okay? Like position two, okay? Uh, and so position two is the... Uh, to me is the bridge in the middle. I know sometimes they say it backwards and it's four. Let's just say it's the bridge in the middle. To say that that's a humbucker is accurate in the fact that it is now, it's not going to allow a 60 cycle hum through. That is accurate. To say that it would sound like a humbucker is not close at all. And before we could talk about any of the technical aspects, let's just talk about the physical issue, which is they're separated. Uh, and that has a big disparaging difference in the sound. Imagine if I took a humbucker and spaced it out far apart from each other, it would be really different sounding. Um, so that is it. Also, you have to understand that you didn't say Strat, see? And that becomes a real big problem because some guitars, uh, when in positions two and four, are not set up like a Strat to do the same thing. There's all kinds of things going on. So I think I'll just stick with it there. But yes, you will find that you always have a weaker sound with positions two and four, and it's by design, or let's just say it's doing what it's supposed to. I shouldn't say by design, it's by default, I should say. That's the way I think I'll stick with it. That would be a good video. If I was gonna, if I, I would explain it totally different if I was doing a video because I would actually physically use this, the, the pickups to explain. I think that's a good video. So you can see my, you can see my gears going like, I need to do a video on that. I think that's a good video. Why it's different, especially since I have the ability to show you that in an actual, the same guitar. Uh, Alex says, my old Ibanez RG220B input jack wire is detached. Don't want to buy a soldering iron, okay, for one repair, and the shop would probably charge more than the guitar is worth. Are there other repair options? Absolutely. First of all, don't want to buy a soldering iron. Let's start there. You paid me in U.S. currency, <laughs> okay? You paid me $10. <laughs> so let's play a game. That's my hold music. That's my game show music. We're on a game show, Alex. You're on. The gear is right. Uh, okay. And I am determined to... Oh, so close. Oh, I did it. Woohoo! Okay. Ready, set... Here we go. We have found it, Alex. On Amazon, we found a very mediocre four and a half star reviewed 259 rating soldering iron for $6.39. There you go. <laughs> that is the answer. This is your answer. It's a one, just use this. Uh, it will probably come with a wet sponge and sometimes if you're lucky, it will come with a little teeny piece of solder 
And if it doesn't, I promise you, you could find solder cheap. Look, here's $16. Okay, here we did it. $16. Okay, so I know it's $10 more, but look at that. It's got some different tips. Little digital readout. Four and a half stars, 2,233 ratings. And look at that. Includes the solder. So uh, that's what you need. <laughs> uh, so uh, let me get back to me. Okay. Uh, so that would be my answer. Now, some of you are going to say, that's a crappy soldering iron. Um, look, man, it's just got a solder and output jack and not burn down his house. Just make sure you unplug it when you're done. Supervise yourself. Here's what I will tell you. I have a video on the basics of soldering. I made the video as basic, as basic as I can. It's definitely not a video. I would tell somebody if you want to learn how to solder, watch that video. I did it as a video of removing fear. I have a video, please, uh, Alex, if you haven't uh, did it, I did a Sharper Max with this wonderful person named Melissa. And Melissa, and I will say this again, is amazing. She did this crazy video, okay? And so what happened was she, she sent me a thank you email one day saying, Hey, you really inspired me to do some of my own repairs. And I, and so when she sent that, I thought, uh, and she had a question. I thought, you know, I've been thinking about doing this crazy idea. And I sent her an email. I said, Hey, I have this crazy idea. I want to send you the tools. Sweet. Uh, Stu Mac would sponsor it. And so they did, they paid for all the tools. They sent her the tools. And what happened was I said, I'll, I'll send you the tools and then I'll just do videos and show you how to do the repairs and walk you through it. And she did the video. And so that video you can watch, it's a sharp max with Melissa and it's her doing all the repairs, uh, and, uh, me explaining what she did. Now here's the important part. And this is the part I want to share with you because I will never make fun of anyone. I am not the person that, uh, that is in a position to make fun of anyone. I, I've said this a million times. I'll say a million more. I grew up in high school. They did not have wood shop. They did not have metal shop. They did not have auto shop. Those things were gone. They were out of the budget. That's my high school. That's how I graduated. None of those things. Okay. Uh, I told you guys, um, I learned, I learned to work on my truck because my truck would break down and that's just what you did. You know, so I learned some mechanical skills from working on my vehicle. Other than that, no woodworking skills, no skills whatsoever. I joined the army. I took a test and they said, Hey, you'd be a good mechanic because that's what they tell you when they need you to be a mechanic. If they needed cooks that month, I'd probably be a cook. But luckily for me, I guess they said they need a mechanic. So I know there's an app to test, but a lot of us know that has been in the service that you just pretty much sometimes they just tell you you're good at things that they need. <laughs> they think they can fit it in. Right? So here's why this is important. Um, there's a whole generation of us, uh, of, of people much less younger than us that, did not get the skills that were given to the generation before us, basic repair skills, okay? Um, a lot of you watching now, even you, which this is the type of channel you shouldn't be the person I'm talking about, but you are going to be, don't even have a toolbox. There's no shame in that. Melissa told me, and this isn't in the video, and that's why I'm telling you this now. Melissa told me that one of her concerns was that she said, obviously, she doesn't want to burn herself with the soldering iron. So she's a little concerned about that. And as a person who obviously doesn't want to be responsible for giving somebody bad information, I was trying to think about what to say to her. And so what I said to her was, I happen to know this tidbit, which is her day job is she was a 911 operator. And so when I knew that, that's why another reason why I picked her. I knew that this would not be stressful. She could be a 911 operator. She could handle doing some repairs with me, you know, instructing her. Okay. But when she told me 
uh, that she was a little afraid of the night of the soldering iron. I, this is what I said to her. I said, um, you know, Melissa, if you burn yourself with that, it doesn't even warrant a 911 call. You wouldn't even go to the hospital. I mean, it will burn you. It's going to hurt. <laughs> and then you will put some ointment on it, but you will not go to the hospital. You know what I mean? If you touch the soldering iron and she literally was like, all right, you could see it. She was like, okay, fine. Then I'm going to try it. Okay. So I'm not saying Alex, that's your issue. I'm just saying that somebody is watching right now and that's their issue. And I want to reiterate that, that look, $16 for a soldering iron. It's, you cannot, I have literally a video on output jacks. That's why I made that video. An output jack has two wires. One is desoldered. Here's what's the good news. Okay. First, first rule, take a picture of whatever you do before you work on it. <laughs> two reasons. One, in case you forget what you did, you can look at it Two, in case you really screwed up and you have to take it to a tech, you have something for them to see too. But more importantly, I don't think it's going to happen. But I always tell everybody on, on a average, the average nine out of 10 output jacks, unless you have a, a strange uh, active one, okay? Unless you have an active guitar. If you don't have an active guitar, there are two wires and two terminals. If you can't, if you solder them onto those terminals and your guitar has no sound, do the opposite <laughs> and you fixed it. An output jack is the absolute best thing to try to learn to solder on. They are not like potentiometers where you can burn them up with too much heat. It is very hard to destroy an output jack by cooking it, which is when you put the soldering iron too long on it, too hot. So uh, I highly suggest that you uh, buy the uh, Amazon <laughs> soldering iron. But hey, so we go old school before you go to Amazon and buy something like that. Don't forget... Never, never forget, reach out to friends. You know, always say, hey, does anyone have a soldering iron I can borrow? I, you know, remember, remember friends and borrowing tools? I still do it. They borrow mine. I, I have Ralph's, this is probably not a good idea to say this, but I have Ralph's power washers in my shed. I should probably return it to him tomorrow. <laughs> so um, we bought a power washer and an electric one uh, for the house and it, it like took a crap on us after a couple months and it was only warranted for 90 days and the, my wife called and they wouldn't do it. And so we were like, well, we're going we're gonna to have to buy another one. And then we're like, oh no, we'll see if Ralph has one. He had a gas powered one. So we borrowed his. Remember you have friends, borrow, borrow a soldering iron. So that's it. Um, uh, <laughs> Kevin wants you to know to not solder while you're drunk or real drunk. Uh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't do it while you're drunk, but don't do it when you're real drunk. Look, man, it's just something to try. Give it a try. It's the easiest thing. Give it a try. I promise. That's why, uh, the, and my videos are short on those. So like I said, most of those videos are two minutes or less. Cause I just wanted you to get to the point and just give it a try. And thank you for the question, Alex. I love, these are my kind of fun ones, by the way, the, the, the soldering, the guitar is still worth more than the, than the solder. <laughs> okay. Grumpy Mike guitar said for the tone jar and why not could, couldn't make it last week's Euro show. The KYG was <laughs> withdrawal was harsh, but I managed to survive. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, grumpy Mike. I went to Elton John, uh, my wife and I went, I met, uh, some of you guys at the show. It was really cool. There was like 40,000 people there, I think, or that was capacity of the show. It was huge. Some people asked me, how was the show? Hold on. First, it was just a nice uh, time to spend with the wife, um, but it was double nice. Um, I We were going to go into you know downtown Phoenix, which is where it was at. It was at the Chase Field, which is a big ballpark here. And she said, let's go into town, have dinner, see the show. And I said, oh, I don't want to do that because once you get downtown, it can get crazy. Let's just have dinner you know, here, you know, where, where we live. And I said, let's just go to Chili's. 
I'm telling the story for a reason. And, uh, you know, she's making the face. <laughs> Not in a bad way, just kind of like uh, Chili's. So romantic. No, she didn't say that. But um, I said, you know, it's just easy. I know we can get in the Chili's. We'll get out, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. We'll have dinner. It won't be amazing, but it won't suck. And then we can go to the show. So we go to Chili's. And first thing that was awesome was they asked me, do you want a military menu, a veterans menu? And I said, I, I don't, I don't know what that is. And they go, it's Veterans Day. Um, veterans eat for free. So Chili's had four meals to pick from, and then you got to eat it for free. I, I've seen stuff like that before, but that was a nice little, wow. That started off the. So just to let you guys know, I started off the afternoon with, all right, that's really cool. So um, that was really nice uh, to do. And so uh, I got a meal for free on Chili's. So thank you, Chili's. I appreciate that. And, uh, and then as we said, never go to Chili's. Hey, hey you know what? It's a, uh, I got a burger and fries. It's really hard to screw up a burger and fries. So then we went to the show. The show was amazing. Only complaint I have about the show was the venue was so big. It was so echoey, but other than that, it sounded great. Um, use my ear filters. My wife had her ear filters. He played for two and a half years, uh, two and a half years, two and a half hours, man. He was dedicated. He put on the show, no opening act, just go. And, uh, and, uh, and it was just, uh, fantastic. So, uh, to, uh, for the question that how was the Elton John show? It was great. It was amazing. Um, it was, it was, uh, it was a great night. I'm really happy we got to see him and, uh, and, uh, man, I just, I just, it was crazy to watch. He's 75 years old and he's just kicking ass for two and a half hours. And he did back to back shows. I, we were to Friday night, but he did Saturday night too. And, uh, just, uh, it's great, you know, and, uh, I, I, before COVID, I was trying to see, I saw Barry Manilow, we saw ZZ Top, we saw Kiss. I'm trying to see anybody that I haven't seen that I think is going to look, I saw Foo Fighters before, uh, uh, you know, uh, before COVID and, you know, now we lost the drummer. So it's not even about age. Sometimes there's just all kinds of reasons, you know, you're not going to see this. And I, and I don't know if I told you guys this, but I'll share this with you guys. It's just a good advice. At least I'm, I think it's good advice. Um, go see the bands you love if you've never seen them before. It's too late. Um, because I, I remember I remember this. This is what sparked this for me. We went and saw The Fifth Dimension and The Association, if you guys know those bands. Fantastic. Fantastic. But I was laughing at the end of the show because The Fifth Dimension was like, I think it was like one original member and it was like the drummer. And I was like, oh my God, they're down to like one member and it's the drummer. And then I, and then that's what it is. It's like at some point when you, if you do decide to see those bands or you decide to think about going to see the bands you love that you haven't seen yet, because these are the bands I haven't seen yet. It's going to be the original drummer, right? And that's it. So, so, uh, uh, that's like I said, so I decided I made a decision uh, with my wife and she agreed if they're, if they're amazing, we're going to see them before it's too late. If we haven't seen them. You know what I mean? So it's about see. Like I said, if I've seen them before, I I try. I used to see. I used to just go see the bands I like over and over again, and I still like that idea a little bit. But I'm really like, no. I think I want to see the people. Uh, I want to try to see as many different bands as I can um, before it's too late. Um, for all kinds of reasons. Like I said, it has nothing to do with age. It's all kinds of reasons. They get mad at each other. They break up. They get you know, they they overdose, they die, they, you know, it's just everything that's horrible you can think of, you know, so might as well do it. Uh, somebody asked me what brand of earplugs. I use the Daddario ear filters. I think they're 12 dBs, but you can get, uh, 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 Skull Candy, Fender makes some ton. I just use filters instead of plugs. I just like the way they, I, they don't make everything sound like, you know, you just got your hands cuffed over your ears, 
But uh, the ones I use as a Dario, they look like white little beehives. Um, so. Pedaly. Hey, what's up, Pedaly? Pedaly said for the tone jar. I hope you had a good time in Nashville. Pedaly is a store in Arizona who specializes in pedals and they have an online presence as well. If you want to check them out. And they also support Guitars for Vets and they do, uh, they sponsored part of the Guitars for Vets. I guess there was a Guitars for Vets event at the guitar, at the Gibson Guitar Garage in Nashville. So they got to go there. And so hope you guys had a fantastic time in Nashville at the garage. Obviously a great uh, a great, um, a great charity to support. So music therapy Laz says, Phil, tell me how, no, tell me who, tell me who can make me a cool custom flying pickle stereo flanger pedal. I don't know. <laughs> LPD won't do it. Uh, I would imagine he don't have time to do it. Uh, even, even a kit would be cool. Uh, B Y O C unavailable help. I don't know. And that's that. I don't remember. I'm not, I would say music therapy last. What I would do is find one of the pedal channels that are heavy into pedals and reviews. They would know all the, all the builders and stuff. Or if you're a builder of pedals <laughs> that, that is right. watching right now going me, 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 that put a comment, uh, and let music therapy last know. Cause obviously you have a buyer. Um, but like, I would imagine LPD, like Lawrence is not going to have the time right he's got to focus you gotta it's it's tough i i have this saying uh that i i, I mean no disrespect to my friends but i say it to my friends all the time <laughs> and it's they always say you know what you should do and i go look everybody's idea is the same to me which is hey you know if you work more you'll make some more money and i go i know if i work more i'll make more it's i'm trying to just finish what i owe people now and get it right so when you're in a constant perpetual perpetual backlog of work which i bet lawrence is at so i think that's why so when you say lawrence will make it i, I don't so much as like he won't like maybe it's not so much a hard line he just doesn't want to it's just in his head if he does that then he's not doing something else it's like what in my world a lot of times when somebody's like hey you ever thought about doing this i go well, that sounds great but it would be in my world it would be what would i not do to do that and i would love to have more time i just don't have it so, uh, so you need to find somebody who would love to build a pedal for you. Cause there's people out there who are not backlogged on pedal orders who would love more, more work. Right. So that's what I would say, Laz, try to find somebody like that. They'll there's, trust me, there's, there are people out there that would love to make you a pedal and take your money for sure. Um, and hopefully they'll reach out from this channel. If not, try to find some some pedal channels. Um, I would be more I would be more helpful if you ask more a guitar centric question, like guitar builder question, than pedal because I'm just not as in with the pedal crews and as much. Uh, Robert wants to know about what about solderless uh, uh, solderless crimps? Those will work too. Sure. Uh, you know what it is. Um, I have nothing wrong with cheat methods or any. I don't want to call that a cheat method, but you know, little methods to make things happen. I just uh, you know, <laughs> I, I don't, I, 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 you know what it is? I just want as many people to try to learn the basic skills. Like there should be like, to me, soldering is as basic as I don't even know. <laughs> hanging a shelf, hanging a picture on the wall. Like it's like the, to me, like if you made a list of like 20 basic skills, I think soldering would help you. Uh, I think you should, people should look at soldering as like the same way they look at glue and stuff together. If you, most people can glue stuff together, you can solder stuff together too. So, um, how are we doing? We're doing good. Let's get through some of the questions. Uh, 
Murphy's Flab says, just bought a Boss EQ to control bedroom level volume. Very good. Oh, awesome. Yeah, as you know, that's one of my go-tos for doing exactly that. And then Enrico, thank you for the super chat. And then Craig says, what would be the easiest way to refinish a Squire Affinity neck to something similar to satin on an American Pro American, oh, Pro American 2? So the Squire Affinity Tele neck, if I was going to guess, is unfinished. I don't know if I haven't put my hands on one in a year or two, so I don't know what's the current model. Um, where the American Pro 2 is going to have a finish and then sanded, sanded satin. So in that case, what you would have to do is, uh, and it's polyurethane, so they don't use a nitro lacquer on the Pro-Am 2s for fenders. So you could tape off the frets, spray, cause, uh, spray the neck with, um, I would do it, well, I don't know if you have a rosewood fretboard. If you have a rosewood fretboard, don't paint that. <laughs> so let's start there. Uh, if you maple neck, you may want to have to paint that. But if you have a rosewood neck, you don't have to. So all you would do is tape off the fretboard and everything you don't want painted uh, and then spray it with a polyurethane clear coat, probably gloss. I would go gloss or semi-gloss and then light sand it with, you know, you could probably do 400 grit sandpaper. That'd be fine. And then sand it back down to a satin if you want that feel, because that's the major difference of probably what you're detecting is um, on the affinity, you're actually feeling the wood grain. However, before you do all that, although that's, uh, let me tell you, that's, that's more of a, that's what I would suggest you do. Um, what I would say is an option is you could uh, buff the neck. So you can get a buffing wheel and uh, and so, and just buff the neck. Uh, so as it'll actually feel the same on a maple neck. Um, if you just buff that neck to a, a light shine, um, using a buffing wheel, it will do very well as well. I like uh, natural wood feeling necks, but I like to buff them. <laughs> this just feels really good. You don't use any, any buffing compound. Um, you can just, just buff it or somebody's like, yeah, you can use gunstock oil too. I, I agree. I use those in videos. I've done those in videos too. Um, but, uh, but, um, buffing sometimes has this kind of nice feel on the Mabel. Just feels really nice. feels slickery, which is what I like. Okay. Uh, Jay Harvard says, Hey, Phil, I play electric guitar in a duo with an acoustic guitar. The acoustic goes through the PA. How do I deal with the sound directionally in a small venue is coming from an unmiked small combo amp? Well, why not just go through the PA system with him and use some kind of processor or something for your sounds or some kind of pedal board or something? I mean, you should have the same ability too to do that. Um, I mean, if that's the issue, you know, I would, that's what I would do. If he's through the PA and you're a duo, why not just be through the PA too? Why not, why not just make it easy? And there's a ton of things you can do here. You can buy a processor that will take care of that for you. If you don't, use a processor, right? Let's say you use a pedal board rig, or if you're currently using an amp, trying to find some pedals that sound like the amp, it's going to be pretty easy. Just find some decent pedals and then use something like you could use the uh, two notes cab M, which is also like a pedal, but that pedal simulates all kinds of cool things like the speaker, the microphone, the power section of the amplifier and stuff like that. In fact, they have a new uh, cab M plus that has like a preamp section too. So it simulates the entire amplifier itself. You run your pedals into that that into the PA, 
you'll just be mixed in with him. And I, I would say that that's how I would do it. If I was a, if I was going to play electric guitar with an acoustic guitar player and he was running through a PA, I wouldn't bring an amp. One, why would I? I don't. It's more work for me to bring more crap. So I would just bring a pedal board with what pedals I like in a cabin to, cab M, uh, M plus, and um, there you go. That's my suggestion. <laughs> so there you go. All right, uh, let's uh, let's see if there's another subject or topic. Edward says, Barry Manilow, question mark. He does write the songs, man. He writes the songs. Yeah, he was amazing. Actually, I, uh, me and my wife agreed. We loved Elton John. He was fantastic. Definitely a top concert. But uh, we liked uh, Barry, Lana, Barry Manilow more. He did a full orchestra. Was he's funny. Yeah. Look, I don't care. I've seen I'll go to, I've seen every kind of music you can think of. Uh, bluegrass, jazz, rock, metal, death metal, punk rock, uh country, all kinds of country. <laughs> uh, you, I am sure you probably couldn't pick a, a you know, jazz fusion, uh reggae. <laughs> I I've seen so many shows. Uh, I'll I just love music. I'm a you know, to me, music is, you know, is just, music is just music. All the genres of music are just the flavor choices. But essentially, I like all music. I mean, if, that, if I was going to pick a music that I'm not a huge fan of, it would be techno. That's the only one. Um, and it's just because sometimes I'm just not in the mood for that. <laughs> so polka you know i've never been to a polka well that's not true i've been to a type of polka band <laughs> show but i wouldn't consider it just polka so quentin Ch gent yes gent of course yeah screamo gent hip-hop absolutely heck i was in a hip-hop band <laughs> so uh yes i was also in a country band <laughs> that we gigged we used to gig at the old tucson studios for money they uh which was good <laughs> so um worldwide ghost says i hate rap see i was in a hip-hop rap gospel band think about that <laughs> remember i'm a bass player see you guys that's what it is i love guitar don't get me wrong like i said i, I guess i could say i'm a guitar player because i do this guitar and stuff but i mean i'm predominantly a bass player and especially before youtube mostly all bass so Bass players are like drummers, man. They're just like, somebody gives you a call and says, you want to play next Saturday? You're like, sure. Give me, the, give me the songs in the set list. Let's go. You just play. So whatever, whatever you could play. If I could play it, I go see, I go, I would play it. And, and if I can't play it, I even love to watch it even more. Um, so. Uh, Okay, hold on a second. Yes. Okay. You guys are so funny. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay. M more guitar questions. We'll stay on guitar. Uh, spath? Spath hop? Hope? Spath hope? Spath hope? Spath. I don't want to. We'll just go with it. Is there room? For a new guitar shape, question mark. Uh, 
better yet, is there desire? Is there room? Like, in other words, can if you make a new guitar shape, will is there room in the market for it? I don't know if there's room in the market. My guess is that I, at this point, look, it's almost like trying to be innovative in this industry is just almost the kiss of death. You're, you're just asking, you're just asking for death. Now, God bless you for doing it. And I obviously am a fan of that. I'm a fan of new designs and wacky things and cool things and different pushing the envelope. Um, I, you know, I, I can't wait to do a video when it's like a company reaches out and it's like, Hey, we do carbon fiber. I'm like, I'm there. Company's like, I do something weird, detachable headstock from there, whatever I'm there. Uh, to me, I love strats. I love them. I'm going to, I own mostly strats, strat style guitars, uh, you know, from different brands from Fender and I play them. And if you, I can only pick one guitar tomorrow, it would be a strat. That being said, that's not the thing I want to review all the time because it's a strat. <laughs> it's like, it's like how many, you know, how many of the same thing can you review? It gets a little, it gets a little tedious, a little hard. Uh, you know, you have to really kind of think about what's unique in this guitar when you're checking it out and reviewing it and doing the detailed uh, video on that, where if the guitar is unique and different, then it's an easy conversation to have. Look how weird this is. <laughs> Look how different this is. Look how this, it just makes it easy. Plus it's fun to see it. That being said, uh, you know, it, look, it's an, it's a no brainer. Every guitar that I've done that's unique, uh, an aluminum fretboard guitar, uh, nobody watched those videos. <laughs> the only time anybody watches those videos is, and this goes for most of the channels that get good reviews with them. If you, if you clickbait them to the point where just people are like, okay, what, what is this? And they click and they go, oh, it's just a different guitar. No one cares about that. So, um, it's, is there room? There's lots of room. There's just, it's a really tough market. Uh, it's a tough thing to do. It's tough to innovate in this industry. This is probably a little, I feel a little too condescending on the industry thing since there's so many industries that are like this that don't want new. Um, but unfortunately, unlike tech industries and stuff, this is not an industry of like, hey, this is the new innovation. Usually innovations are death wishes for companies. Um, in fact, how many times have you heard this? It's almost the crazy, it's almost sounds like a crazy person talking so many times when I watch a company's, uh, unveil product, they sound like a lunatic to me. They're like, we've been working six years and we finally got this right. What is it? It's the thing that they've made and everybody currently makes for the last 50 years. But we, it's our version of that. It's the same it's the same as everybody else's, but it's new. But we spent two years making it more like the thing that you already had. <laughs> you know the thing you had? <laughs> We're going to make it even more like the thing you had. And that's exactly like the thing you had. <laughs> I know we said last time it was exactly like the thing you had, but now it's even more exactly like the thing you had that you currently have. That thing you have right now, we made that, but we made it exactly like what you have. <laughs> and then you listen to this and you go, this sounds like a crazy person talking, right? And, uh, and it, look, it's just because, again, it's, there's a lot of reasons why we want, we want the old stuff. And that's the reason why it's tough to make new stuff. So the answer, room, yes, lots of room, because there's not a lot of people doing innovative shapes or anything. Uh, it's <laughs> very rarely is there something new to look at um, guitar. I used to do this uh, game. At the NAMM show, uh, from when I have the store, obviously people come in the store and say, hey, can you get me tickets to the NAMM show? And uh, when we gave away tickets to the NAMM show, one of the requirements we had was I said, hey, I want you to tell me five new 
cool guitars you saw, because it's to help me kind of put new you know product in the store. I say, tell me five guitars you saw at the NAMM show that weren't Strats, Tellys, or Les Pauls that you thought were cool. And you know, you know what's funny is is this. <laughs> I, I felt bad. So, you know, I wouldn't do it. All, I stopped doing it as much. And here's why I felt bad. Do you know how many times people come back from the NAMM show? And I go, how was the show? And they go, it was good. It was really good. Um, I only found one guitar for you, though. Because, like, it hits them. Like, they're so excited. The NAMM, I'm going to see all these guitars. And they walk down the aisles and they start going, but that's, that, oh, he said not a Strat. That's just, well, he said, oh, he said not a Les Paul. That's a Les Paul. Uh, well, he's, you know, right? It's really, you really find out like everybody's new thing is like, hey, we're doing what somebody else is doing it, but we're going to do it even more like the thing that, in fact, our copy is better than their copy. That's probably the best. Actually, you know what? You guys are always talking about shirts. We should do a shirt. My copy of a guitar is better than their copy of a guitar is the best shirt ever, I think, because that's the industry as a whole. My copy of this pickup is better than their copy of this pickup. My copy of this amp is better than their copy of this amp. I make the best copy of the copy. <laughs> All right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done doing, going down this road. Yeah. But thank God we all love all the old copies. Uh, yeah, somebody said the reverse flying V. Yeah. Well, usually in my experience, the more unique the guitar, the more people like freak. <laughs> Think about this. Think about this. If you guys watched, if you were really paying attention, you had to really be paying attention because it's close. Or not close. It was really it was really short when it happened. When I interviewed John Petrucci and I was talking about the Majesty guitar, I was being very forthcoming. And one of the things I said passingly in the conversation, the banter back and forth, and somewhere in the, if you watch that interview, in some of the interview, I said, well, guitar players usually don't like innovative stuff. And he said, oh, well, people came up to me and said it was downright ugly. And then I laughed. And then we go on to the next thing. It happens. It's that fast, that statement. I didn't go back to it because I'm not an expert interviewer. So uh, some of these things like watching my interviews, you have to watch it like an old game, like, you know, like a, a football game. You got to watch your the game, how you did. I got to watch the interviews so I can refine the next interview, how I do it. Because you got to get good at not keeping them going, not keeping the good questions, but also going back to things that are interesting. Here's what's funny about that. I want you to think about something. That guitar got somebody to tell John Petrucci to his face that it's ugly. <laughs> imagine, I want you to imagine not being honest. That's not honest, right? You have to think about something. You're standing next to this guitar guy who's a guitar legend, right? I mean, he's like one of the best guitar players out there. He's standing there at the NAMM show presenting his new guitar. And he just said, if you watched it passively in that interview, he's like, people walked up to me and said it was downright ugly. Could you imagine you look at a guitar and you think it's so ugly that you look at the, the, the guitar player and the designer and go, that's ugly. <laughs> and then walk away. <laughs> So, um, yeah. And so, like I said, think about how that, and, 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 and then here's what's funny. Think about that. And this is why I'm saying this. Now I want you to look at that guitar again. And if you think it's ugly, I want you to think about it, especially if you think it's ugly. If you think it's cool, it doesn't matter. If you think it's ugly, I want you to look at it again and tell me if it's that ugly that you would feel the need to tell John Petrucci to his face that he made an ugly guitar. That's how ugly it is, Right. It's like, it's like I said, imagine an ugly baby, so ugly, you got to tell the mom that it's ugly. I mean, that's a pretty ugly baby, right? I mean, it can't be just a little ugly. Like, oh, it probably could use some more hair. Hey, that's a weird nose. I mean, we're talking about babies like, whoa, that's so ugly. 
man, your baby's ugly. That's what I'm saying. That's what tells you how guitar players think. We Just any adjustment to the norm is enough to push us off. <laughs> so, all right. I feel like I'm on some kind of tirade. I'm going to stop. Let's see if I got another question before we go. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Okay, good. We don't have any more Super Chats. So no more Super Chats. We'll cut those out. And since I was doing the main ones. um, (laughs) Okay. PW says, it's like the Pontiac Aztec. Okay. Do you you really think that that uh, Pontiac... I mean, don't get me wrong. I, a Pontiac Aztec is is pretty uh, pretty weird looking uh, car, right? It's pretty ugly, but I don't know. Uh, okay. Ah, Darius Rex says I like the Kaizen. I liked it too. And I and I could become literally alienated half you right now with saying this, but I thought four thousand dollars was realistic. Look, I, I don't have the four thousand dollars to do it. I'm not doing it. I I, I mean, let, let me get this. Let me let me put it this way. I I actually got to pick it up and go through it and do a deep dive video on it. Uh, from that experience, at three grand, I'd find a way to. I'd sell off some guitars to get it. At four grand it was just a little too much for me. Um, but. Based on me going through it, I, I couldn't see a world where four grand wasn't the price they charged for that. Based on everything else they charge and stuff. You know, if you're going to be one of those guys like, no guitar's worth $4,000. It's not worth. I'm not saying it's worth or not worth. I'm saying, like, I just don't see a world where they, that's not what they, they could charge less. Is it, that would make sense. Because, I mean, they're only going to make 75 of them or whatever. They're not going to make, or of the one color, whatever. They're not making enough of those damn things. So... To make it make sense. Now, hopefully, they'll never do it, but I, hopefully they'll make a, a import, uh, what do you call it, a sterling version of it. That'd be really cool. It'll still probably be $1,500 for that, but. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm laughing. You guys are putting making Tiger Woods Aztec uh, jokes. Uh. Yeah, Kiesel, uh, guy said Kiesel put some interesting designs out there. There's a lot of cool, interesting designs out there, for sure. Um, okay. Andrew B. It says, speaking of the Kaizen, what exactly is the Infinity Radius fretboard? Um, well, I explained it in the video. So one thing I don't know is if you saw my review of it and you still don't understand. So hopefully you didn't see my video because I kind of explained it in a different way than they explained it, which is what I like to do a lot of times is, you know, sometimes sometimes when I explain something, I'll have a tech guy go, that's not exactly technically correct. I'm like, yeah, but here's the problem. Most of us can't understand technically correct. It gets too crazy. So the best way to explain the affinity radius fretboard is this is all you have to know. If the guitar is flat, in other words, you know, imagine just, if you look like the, if you look like this dude, <laughs> right? And the guitar is sitting on a strap in front of you and it's, you're holding it. If you look down, it feels and looks like, it looks like, I shouldn't say feels like, it looks like the, the fretboards, you can see the whole fretboard. 
because it's kind of tilted towards you a little bit, right? So that's the best way to explain it, right? You gotta, I hate marketing copy. I know it's part of the thing. It's like TCI pickups, heat treated pickups, all these things, right? I don't know why we have to, they have to put us a thing, right? You know, always putting words on things. Really, it's just easier to kind of just explain it, but that doesn't put the spin on it they want. So the Infinity Radius Fretboard to me is just as simple as this. If you're standing in front of an audience with your guitar strap on around you and you look down, you can see the fretboard. Um, where normally you'd only see the side dots, you wouldn't see the fretboard, fretboard. So it feels like it's, and when you play it, it doesn't feel any different to you. Cause it's just, it's just like they, they tilted the, where it goes in the body, they tilted it up a little bit towards you and it doesn't really change anything. So it's just so you can see more of the fretboard. Um, probably if you're doing a lot of tapping, I would imagine it would be really, really helpful cause you can kind of see what you're doing. Um, and, uh, and help you change some of the mandatory type positions that you do. Um, I do a lot of tapping on the bass and I don't really do a whole lot of tapping on the guitar. When I do tapping on the bass, um, one of the things I do, the reason I don't do a whole lot of tapping on the guitar is that when I play bass, I play the bass pretty much like a necklace. And so it's right here and I look and I, I'm looking at the fretboard. I'm looking at it right here where the guitar, I, I kind of have it a little lower and then I'm looking down and I'm not really seeing the fretboard. So there you go. But more importantly, it doesn't feel any different. I mean, I played the guitar. It doesn't. In fact, if they didn't tell you, uh, if they didn't tell you that it was angled at you a little bit, you wouldn't have noticed. No one would notice, which is what you want. It, that whole guitar, every little thing in that guitar that they talk about, they didn't tell you, you wouldn't notice. <laughs> you wouldn't notice the pickups are heat treated. You wouldn't notice that there's an infinity fretboard, uh, you would, a radius, you wouldn't know any of that stuff. You'd just, you'd pick it up and go, this guitar feels and plays good. So, um, it's because they have the technology to do this. Look, the, the, the Music Man guys really, really like the CNC machines. They are really good at getting, you know, doing stuff, programming and getting stuff really, really dialed in. Um, and they're not afraid of, of making things that are a little bit more expensive. Um, you know, where some companies, uh, they, all they can do is bitch about the fact that something takes five more minutes and that costs money. So uh, music man's more about the, doesn't matter. It's kind of like, look, a lot of companies, no, a lot of companies, you would never see a ton, a lot of companies make a majesty or a Kaizen type guitar. They would look at it and just go, ah, what's the point we can make you know, I mean, let me put it to you this way. And I mean, again, and I never disrespect just a, it's more of a, a, just a assessment kind of thing. You know, Sir can sell a Strat copy for four or five grand. It, that's a Strat. Okay. It's a pretty basic thing to make. So you can imagine how a company would feel if they were like, they were doing all these intricate carves and it took a lot more long. It took a lot longer to do it. Even if that's time on the machine, it takes a lot more sanding. You have a lot more problems where it burned through. You have a lot of pro more problems where you you can damage the instrument doing all these intricate cuts and sands and things and painting. It, it's a little bit problematic because you have more angles. Remember every angle is just more things to go wrong when you're painting it or sanding it. Um, and 
your competitor is making the, a guitar for the same price as you in the high-end mark, and they're just doing this one kind of easy thing. And again, this isn't to say Sir is doing easy. I'm just using this example because he gets the highest prices, I think, for some of the most basic shape guitars. Um, rightly so, because it's quality, but like I said, it is still that thing. So you can imagine a lot of companies like won't do that, where Music Man doesn't seem to shy away from that. They, they, they If an artist says this is how they want it, they don't go, oh, you don't understand, that's expensive. <laughs> um and I would imagine that happens a lot because I can tell you, uh, you know, I'm not an artist. I'm a YouTuber. I don't know what the hell that means, but I can tell you what experience I've had. I have enough viewerships that I can go to companies and say, look, I can sell hundred to 200 of these things or 500 of these things. If we do a limited run, here's what I want to do. And I immediately can see what artists go through because I've had companies write out flat outs go like, well, why would we, that's a, no, well, let's do it this way. Um, I even had a company do this thing that they agreed to do, um, the project I wanted, but then slowly every email was like, but then backing out of all the things they agreed to of like, well, what if we just not do the thing you asked for, but do it up here. And I go, all right, that's not so bad. And then a week later, hey, we were doing it and we realized like we could save a lot of time and money if we just do this. Can we take that out? And I go, well, I really wanted that. And they go, yeah, but it's going to be really hard for us. And I go, okay, do that. And then Bob, the fifth email, I'm like, this isn't even the thing I wanted anymore. So let's not do it. And I can see why artists would get really uh, kind of frustrated with that because (laughs) you're like, okay, I get it. Um, You don't want to do it more complicated because it costs more money, but I want it to be cool. I want it to be unique. So I get the vibe that Music Man's a company is like, we want it to be cool. So, and that says a lot. Like I said, I I have no relationship with the Music Man guys. I've bought every Music Man guitar you've ever seen on this channel. I've even, I've even interacted with them and that still didn't prompt them to work with the channel in any way. And I still got nothing but respect and mad, mad compliments for them because I cannot find an issue with that company to complain about. Other than their stuff's expensive. That's it. And, you know, and when I say that's not a complaint, that's just a physical issue I have to deal with like everybody else. That's a lot of money. Okay. Uh, Do we have, do we have a last question? Maybe two? Do we have time for two or just one? Okay, somebody did a super chat, but I'll... Okay, so Scott says, Phil, your thoughts on the Ibanez micro bass? I'm getting one to learn on. It's a short scale. I absolutely like them. However, um, I like... Uh, I like... I don't even know. <laughs> I was going to say, I like them. I have owned them. Um, I really like them. I really prefer the... Um, I have to look it up. Okay, give me a second. We're going to end on this question, I think. Uh, I ha- I, why I can't think of the name of it. There's a um, Squire one that I like too that I've reviewed that's really good. But with Ibanez, there is a bass I prefer and I cannot think of the name. And I'm hoping that as I type this in the internet, see the micro comes up. I'm going to try and find it. Here we go. It is, they may not even make, the mezzo base. There it is. It looks like it's no longer available. Yeah, that would make sense. Can I find one? Uh, is this thing in stock? Like, 
Yeah, it's, oh, it's in stock. Okay, so I'm going to share with you real quick. Um, this is the mezzo base, okay? So the mezzo base is 32-inch scale. Th this is what I prefer. Um, if you need the micro, if you're a small uh, uh, person and you want, uh, it's only got two stars in the one review, that's funny. Um, uh, this is one I prefer over the micro. It's basically, I'm just showing you, the mezzo. Um, the micro is a little bit shorter scale. When I did the, um, here's why I'm telling you that. When it comes to bass, I like short scale bass. I've said that many times. Let me go back to the thing. Um, but owning many of them and playing many of them for many years, I can tell you that just like short scale guitars, most of them are pretty horrible. <laughs> okay, most short scale everything is pretty horrible. It's going to feel like a student grade instrument on the worst way, in the worst way. It's going to sound not great. It's not going to feel great. It's not going to be easy to play. Sometimes they're harder to play just because they made it uh, shorter. Just the 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 the, the some of the things are actually worse. The action's worse. The quality goes down a lot. The micros are great. I'm just saying. I, I like the micros. That's not what I'm saying about that. But what I'm saying is in bass, me, I don't like basses under 32, 30 inch scale if it's not a real quality bass. When we did the Valiant uh, limited run of 27 inch scale basses, that's what I was, I mean, that was expensive. It was $1,500. But the reason why was because, and that's why a lot of you bought them, because I, I said it in the video, and I stand behind it to this day, it's really hard to get a short scale bass to play that good and sound that good. So the micro is great. Back up. The micro is good. I think the mezzo is better. Uh, just being a little bit longer. It's 32 inch scale. It'll feel, it'll feel fine. It'll sound exactly like a 34-inch scale. Um, the only reason I wouldn't suggest it is if you really think, you know, uh, you know, if you really, really need a small, small bass. But the micro is going to feel pretty small, um, and and um, may need some work. Uh, the two I've owned two micro basses, and for that reason, I thought, oh, these would be great. I'll travel with them. They're they're, and here's what ended up happening with me. They just, I just had to do fret work to them. I had to work, because again, not because they're bad, but I'm playing basses. I mean, my Warwick is a custom-made bass. My jazz bass from Vendors are custom-made instruments. They're, they're high-end. They're, they're not on the level of my guitars. My, my Warwick's a $7,000 street price instrument. It's a crazy price instrument. I didn't pay that. I'm just saying, you know. So when you play at that caliber of instrument, uh, where everything's fine, you know, finally made at that level. And that's, that's why, that's why, that's why I don't own a lot of basses. They're expensive for me. Um, it's hard to go to like a micro, but I can play a Mesa, a Mesa bass. I can play that bass. No problem. They were pretty good. Even if they have a little fit, uh, fit and finish issues, you can kind of, you know, dial them in and they sound great. That's my suggestion. And of course, Fender makes a couple, I would just look for 30 inch scale bases. Um, what is the micro? <laughs> Watch it be 30. I'll be just totally wrong. <laughs> I thought it was, uh, Hold on, Ivan is micro with a K base. Let's see what it says. 28 inch scale, right? That's what I'm getting from this. It is, I'm getting it's 20 inch, inch scale. So good, but if you can get 30 inch scale, I think you'll have a better instrument, quality instrument for the price. Uh, just something to suggest. And there's a ton of brands. I, like I said, I like the Squire sh short scale bases too. Um, I did a review of the Shire, uh, Shire, the Squire really short, like the micro base. And I really like that too, because again, 
Here's why. I really like the P-Base function they did. It just sounded punchy. I put some, uh, if you watch, I did the DiMaggio uh, pickups where I put the Relentless pickups in it and it sounded fantastic. That one I liked a little bit more than the Micro. And again, I like the Micro. This isn't like stay away from the Micro. It's just I'm giving you suggestions of things I liked a little bit more and send you down some more interesting, give you some more stuff to research before you make that purchase, if you get a chance. Um, uh, so, Rich 581 says, it's really, and on a more serious note, it's really hard to make a good sounding short scale bass at 30 inch scale. It is. Obviously, like I said, the shorter you get it, the harder it is to get. The uh, Kiesel basses that I had made, the one I have made and the one I'm going to have made this week when I order back up, are 30 inch scale. If they did 32, I would have done 32. They didn't have that option, so I did 30 inch scale. That's why I said I was I was a little concerned. I was like, okay, my Warwick is 32 inch scale. So is my Jazz Deluxe, by the way. It's 32 inch scale. And my Urge bass that I just have because of the homage to... Stu Ham is 32 inch scale. That's why I did that. I just started playing 32 inch scale. I just like it. And so I was a little nervous going to 30. I was like, okay, I don't know if this is going to work for me. And it totally worked. So, um, it just, it's just really, it's really good. Keeping in mind though, if they did 32, I would do that. <laughs> they just didn't have that option. Um, yeah, a lot of you are saying uh, Gibson got it right with the 60s with the EB3. I agree, agree, right? I mean, there's just a lot of good good mid-scale. They call them, you know, medium-scale basses more than short-scale. I like the medium-scale stuff. So. Okay. Well, we did it. Now, uh, just a reminder, let's talk about a couple things that's important for you guys, the diehards hanging out right now. Next Friday, we'll be doing a podcast. We'll be doing it on Black Friday. Uh, so think about your questions. If you want to talk about stuff on Black Friday, I don't really want to do a, hey, Black Friday sales or today kind of thing video, but we can talk about whatever you want. If that's what you want to talk about, I'll talk about, like I always do, what you guys want to talk about. And what else? Also, please, if you decide to check out the... Um, the uh, uh, the Tim Pierce's uh, masterclass course. The link is down below. You save 30% and you get 14 days free trial. And if you decide you end up liking it, we're going to do a special video for you guys that only you guys get to see that I'm excited about. Look, I, I've said this before. He's kind of like an idol to me. So that's my, that's my, you can understand that's my incentive right there. I just want to, I just like to be able to work with him. And uh, not only as a friend, but as someone who really just admires his, his career. Uh, it's pretty cool. And also you got to understand it's a little bit to my ego because he talks to me like a peer and he treats me so nice. And he is, uh, there's a lot of great people out there, but he is somebody like, I just can't, I don't see that we're peers on any level. And he always treats me, uh, like a peer. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to end on this note. I, I told you guys, I tell you guys more stories, backstories about stuff that happened. Let me tell you what Tim Pierce did for me at the Sweetwater event. Um, which is fantastic. So, and, and maybe you'll find this funny now that you know this, if you know this. So at the last day of the event at the Sweetwater event, as you guys know, I was there for seven, eight days, straight, eight days straight. I was there doing all the videos you saw. And then they had this gear fest thing at the end. And obviously, obviously like, Hey, you're in town. Let's do hang for that. And then they flew in all these YouTubers and there was like 30 YouTube channels there for gear fest. The last day of gear fest, it ended 
the crescendo was uh, Rhett Shaw did his podcast. Okay, so they had a panel on a stage. It was Rhett Shaw, it was Pete Thorne, it was Tim Pierce. Um, I'm missing some people, of course, right? The owner of Mythos was there. Um, and here's why this is funny. Uh, and then they were having like a buffet, right? As they do, right? And um, I call that lamp food. I, I know it's weird. I'm a big guy. You'd think like a big guy would have low standards for food, but I don't eat lamp food. Um, and that's food under a lamp. I don't do that. Um, it's weird, right? <laughs> but it's true. So I wasn't going to eat there. I, I A lot of times companies like to order food uh, for you and it's like catered lamp food. And I'm just like, yeah, I'll go to a nice restaurant afterwards. So like Dovey Doss and I would probably take off and go to like a restaurant afterwards. Um, that That's important to the story. Here's why. But what they did have is a bar. It wasn't an open bar, but, uh, and I f- forget who bought me wine, but somebody bought me wine and I can't remember who, and I feel horrible now. So either good job for buying me wine or bad job for buying me wine. Anyways, they bought me a glass of wine. And, uh, so I, obviously I had about four cups of coffee that day, been running around all day and I hadn't eaten. I'm sitting there because they're doing this show. I'm not in, I don't want to say I'm not invited, but I wasn't on the panel and I'm drinking my wine. And, uh, I had a glass and then of course, like you do, sometimes you have a glass of wine, you go and no empty stomach, you go, you know, it's really good idea. Another glass of wine. So then I walked up and I bought a glass of wine and I'm thinking, all I got to do is make it eight o'clock to the show's over and I get to watch it. I'm watching it. And, uh, and, and then we're going to go eat and go back to our hotel rooms. So I'm on my second glass of wine. I'm like halfway through it, whatever. And, uh, Tim Pierce is watching me. And I can tell you right now, he's, he, all of a sudden he looks at me and he waves me, he waves at me and I'm like, okay, I don't understand what's going on. And Tim Pierce like, like, come here. So I get up and I start walking towards stage and he gets up and he hands me the microphone. He goes, go sit on the panel, you know, right. Be part of the, be part of the show. And uh, he goes and sits down. And, uh, which is super kind. Uh, exactly. I can tell you right now, I'm not, I'm not guessing. I, you know, he never told me this. I know you can intuitively tell. He just wanted me to be on the panel. He thought I deserved a spot like everybody else, I guess. So I'm on the panel. So if you watch Red Shoals podcast where I'm on, that's why I pop in at the halfway mark. And, um, but that's also why I'm sitting there on the panel. And if I look a little flushed, it's because I had two glasses of wine. Cause I, you know what I did? What would you do if you had a half a glass of wine and you, somebody's telling you to come up to the stage and I finished it. <laughs> so, uh, if you watch that, uh, podcast or if you heard it, that's uh, what two glasses of wine looks like. Um, and, uh, and that's Tim Pierce. That is, uh, him to a T he's, he's the guy who's on a panel looking out going, that guy needs to be up here too. So I just want to share this. That's why, like I said, as soon as they said, Hey, do you want to do this uh, event with him? I'm like, heck yes. So that's why I did that. I like you guys know what my motivations are for stuff. And, uh, there you go. On that note, I'm going to let you guys go. Please enjoy the videos I put out if, uh, if you can and, uh, see you guys next Friday, uh, hopefully. And, uh, as always, thank you guys so much for your time and until the next time, know your gear. <laughs>